Hi, everyone. You're listening to Real Talk. I'm your host, John Renicki, and it's another week and another just really great and interesting episode. For this week, I have Kristen Gabriel on with me, and she's one of my old high school friends. And again, she's one of those friends I had in high school that I didn't really talk to much, but we reconnected after coming back from school, and we found out that we share a lot of the same experiences, and this it helped us grow closer together as friends. And so I wanted to have her on because we really connected over codependency. And the word codependency is a term I didn't know until I figured out that I pretty much matched everything that a codependent is. And so what it is, is that you are dependent on someone else. And this can be a romantic partner or a family member. And it's just that you are dependent on someone else by fixing things for them and putting all of your self-worth into what they are dealing with and you put all of your needs to the side so you're pretty much giving your entire worth to someone else and losing all that control and as a people pleaser and i'm sure a lot of you can relate to that it's really easy to fall into that pattern by how we were raised and just certain standards of our childhood so That's why I wanted to have an episode solely on that. And me and Kristen both were people pleasers and still are working on that today. And so I'm really excited for that. And last thing, if you learn a thing or two, feel free to share. And one important thing about reviews is that you can't do it on Spotify. I figured that out. You can't leave a review on Spotify. So if you want to leave a review, if you really hate it and you want to leave a one-star review, go ahead and leave it on Apple Podcasts. You just can't do it on Spotify. So feel free to leave a review because that's how I just make everything sound better and how I can improve every single week. So again, thank you all for being here. I'm so grateful for having you all here. And yeah, I hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. Today I have Kristen Gabriel. How are you doing, Kristen? I'm doing good. Hello, everyone. <laughs> She's really, really nervous. I am. I'm nervous, but I'm also excited. <laughs> <laughs> you don't sound too excited. We just had a conversation um, this, just over a week ago, and like we kind of reconnected as friends, and I feel like this has been a common theme for me since I've come home from school. I've just like met up with old high school people I kind of was friends with, not really, but I had like a shallow relationship, and we met up and just kind of started talking about our own experiences. Um, and this happens a lot with my friends. Um, but like we just opened up and I didn't, we actually like relate on in a lot of ways, um, both in romantic relationships and just like friendships and family dynamics as well. So we actually had a lot in common about codependency and mm-hmm. it's a word that I feel like no one knows, at least at our age. And I kind of only found it cause I was like, Holy shit. Like my sister was calling me out for it, but It's definitely something that's really prevalent, and I know that I've suffered from, and she has as well. And so I just want to start with a definition, and could you give a little definition that's like kind of tailored to your your own experience? Because obviously it changes with everyone else's experience. Yeah, totally. Well, I think like the way I view codependency too is it's kind of a spectrum where like every, I, I feel like everyone in a way is on it at some point in their lives, whether it like comes across strongly or not. And then I think it also, like, manifests itself really differently in how people act when they feel codependent. But I think at its base, it's just, like, getting yourself, your sense of self-worth from something outside of you. And something, too, that's really interesting, I think you can be codependent in, like, a romantic relationship where it's normally talked about. 
but you also can in like your family relationship anywhere where you're getting your sense of like worthiness from something outside of you and therefore like you are dependent on that thing to feel okay about yourself and feel like you can live and survive basically yeah i think that was a really good take on that i think your focus on like the sense of self and like having any sense of worth that uh, it relies so much on like what you do for others and that i think there's a common theme where throughout your life you might be like oh i'm the one that everyone comes to like i'm the one that fixes everyone's problems but then I feel like over time you grow that resentment because you're like, why are these people not taking care of themselves? Why am I picking up all their slack? Like, why do they expect so much of me not take care of themselves? And it's because you're letting them. And it's like your own like self-fulfilling prophecy of you are fixing someone and it's like what you do and it's like what you love to do. But then you end up just hurting them because you're not really being there for them. You're like doing things for, you know, loved ones or friends Mm -hmm. and it ends up just turning on itself. No, totally. So, yeah. It's just, I feel like it's really tough to like see that and be like, wait, I need to like change this behavior because I'm not helping anyone. That is so true because it does feel like you're helping them, but it's, you don't know necessarily what they actually need and what they actually want. It also comes from the place of thinking that you're going to be the one to like fix someone or fix some aspect of someone's life or someone's issue when like you just can't do that. And I think. A lot of it, too, comes from a place of thinking you have, like, control over other people's actions and stuff. So I think it has to do with worth, but it also has to do with control in a way. And yeah. feeling out of control in a situation. And could you, like, dive a little bit into, like, your own experience with it? Because um, I know you had a past relationship that definitely, like, showcases this behavior. So, like, what, what was that experience for you? Yeah. Well, I was thinking about, when I was thinking about, um, codependency, like before we were going to have a conversation about it, I, um, was thinking, and I think it actually has showed up in a lot of my relationships. Like even I was thinking like with my mom and things like that, like of just always wanting to be the one to help someone. So I think that, um, like I've always just been kind of like a people pleaser and like, a peacemaker like wanting to make things better for everyone I don't want to cause conflict ever I don't want people to be mad at me so I think like by fitting into that role of like having everyone love me and having like that's a way I thought that I that that's what I thought was the only way I could get love from people is if like I am always perfect or always quiet and always not an issue not a burden things like that. So I think that's kind of where it started. And then, um, it just evolved into like, oh, okay, well I can like just fix all these things for people instead. I really resonate with your definitions of being a people pleaser. I think I found in high school that that worked all the way through that like people would like me and this is in quotes like people would like me just because I was like a nice guy that like did everything for people and I was like oh you could talk to me whenever and then when always happy exactly (laughs) always happy yeah and like me thinking that oh yeah I'm like I'm like that person that like you can talk to and like I can fix you Mm -hmm. which what the fuck did I know I didn't know anything. Like, who yeah. might be like, oh, I can, I can, like, fix your problems. Uh-huh. Like, I got my own. Like, like I, don't, I don't even know what your problems actually are. So. Seriously. Like, I'm, and, like, that's the thing where it's, like, you thinking you can actually, like, give someone an answer. And, like, that's, that's the thing with therapy. It's that, like, when you go into a therapist, like, session, they're not giving you, like, answers. Mm-mm. They're just 
giving you the right questions to ask. Yeah. So like you can think about your life differently and just get things off your chest. There's mm-hmm. never like anyone that can tell you how to be. Exactly. Um, so I definitely think that that's like lost when we're the person that's fixing other people's issues. Yeah. And you're not doing a service to anyone by telling them what to do because no one wants someone else to make the decisions that like control their life. Yeah, so exactly. So it feels like you're helping someone, but you're not in actuality. You're, you're really just them. limiting their potential. Yeah. Like I, you're like this, this could be a story where I was listening to the Terry Cole podcast actually yesterday and they were talking about how one of her friends, she had a son that was like 24 and he was like home from college and he was just like in all day, like living with his mom and she like was like, oh, I couldn't put him out on the streets. Like, I can't, I can't do that. But like, she wasn't letting him just go. And like, it's easy now where he could find a person, a friend and just live with them for a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks until he finds a place. And then he kind of grows on his own. And she was telling the mom that you're only hurting his own potential and that you're not believing that he can do it. Yeah. Like you're not like you aren't believing in, in him. And like, mm-hmm. that's why you're like, you're putting your own issues first by keeping him like at the house. But like, it's really the showing that you have no confidence that your son can handle his own issues and take care of himself. And it's like those two mesh. It's like you think you're loving someone, but you're actually not. You're just trying to handle all their stuff with some weird sense of like righteousness. Yeah. Like you're the right one to be doing it. So I definitely think like that's like a damaging behavior that I found in my own life a lot. Yeah, totally. Because it's basically saying like, I don't think you're capable enough to make these decisions for yourself. So I need to get in there and, like, help you. And then it's very different, like, depending on the relationship, too, like, between mother and son or, like, with a partner or something. Because, um, like, I guess, like, with a mother and a child, like, the dynamics already where, like, the mother is in, like, a caretaking position. But I think in, like, a romantic relationship or a friendship, when one person falls into, like, that caretaker role, it's not healthy. And then... And then the effects of that, too, is, like, you end up neglecting your own needs and because you think that you need to help this person all the time and you need to be there for, you, for them. In the process, you ignore what you actually need. Exactly. And I think I found this in my own first romantic relationship where I took on this identity of, like, being the person that was, like, supposed to fix things. Mm-hmm. And my sister saw right through it. But I was, like, 16, 17, you know, just like, oh, I'm so, like just doing my thing but like I really wasn't happy um but I was like going through the motions thinking that I was like doing the right thing like taking on someone else's burden of like whatever psychological things they were you know like making me deal with and I like got value out of that like it made me feel good about myself that I was like oh I'm the one you can talk to but really I had no self-worth like at all like at all and all I got it from was just being that person and having the worth from just having someone come to me because I I thought like, what if like I never had this, like who would I be without it? Like who, like who really would I be? And like, that's why when everything ended, I like had nothing because I was like, I'm supposed to like be worrying about this person. I'm supposed to be worrying about like where they are and like who they're friends with. And it was just like a mixture of like insecurities and having no worth. And then like having this self uh, fulfilling prophecy of like being the person to fix everything all that together that I just didn't see that I was a codependent until it all just fell down all of it just collapsed yeah no totally because it's also I feel like under the disguise that you like that it's a good behavior because you care so much about someone but 
I think that there's like there's like a thin line between interdependency and codependency. And then I think too like something that some of the things that make it cross over into like codependent territory is like when you're the only one they're talking to about those things because I think that puts um especially like for example um when you were talking about them relying on you for help with like I don't know mental health issues or anything because then you feel like oh well if I'm not here like who else are they going to talk to? And they, like, know? get mad at you. Yeah. Because you're you're giving them that, like, f- like, like, like you're feeding that. Yeah. Totally. So then they're like, well, who are you to not, like, help me with this? Yeah. Like, you've been there, and, like, I have no one or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then that's when it's, like, you feel guilty, and then you go back to being the people pleaser where you're like, oh, my gosh, like, mm-hmm. I can't make someone mad at me. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's the worst. You're like, I can't make someone mad at me. I can't leave them alone. I have to... I have to do this. It's like that sense of responsibility almost. But, like, where the fuck does that come from? Like, I don't know. Why? it's not your job to do that. And it's hard to see that. I really, like, that was hard. Yeah. To, like, really be like, shit, like, I have my own, like, life to figure out. And, like, they do what they do. Like, that's whatever. I can't do anything about that. Yeah, totally. That's, that's been really hard to, like, see and, mm-hmm. like, sit with and be like, yeah, that's, like, the healthiest way to go about this. Yeah. And, yeah, because it is really hard to see where, um like it crosses over from that healthy like talking about things into yeah the codependent thing so i actually have a question for you am i allowed to ask you a question oh yeah you are okay i was gonna ask so knowing and having all your experience with codependency in general like how do you think like moving forward in relationships you would be able to see that or like how would you form that like healthy communication style without um crossing over into the like reliance on someone now with like friendships like i when i talk to them about like life things i really try to just listen to them and kind of share my own experience but like not give them answers like i'm not telling you how to do things i'm just like telling you how i've done things and how it's been hard for me and i want to hear how it's been hard for you yeah you know totally like that active listening yeah like sort of exactly it's just listening and I haven't gotten into a relationship yet, but I know that that's going to be a challenge for me when I do date someone next because it's, like, so, like, like natural for me to want to just, like, do everything for someone, and that's, like, not healthy for me or for the, the partner, and so I think when I date someone next, it's going to be really hard to practice that because I know you're, you're in a new relationship. Well, yeah. that, it's not new anymore. Yeah, it's like, true. It's, it's, it's been a while. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, like how have you practiced that? At least because I know you came from a very codependent situation, like with your new boyfriend. How do you like kind of try to avoid that? Yeah, um, I think, too, just like keeping healthy lines of communication open is like obviously always a good thing, but like super helpful in this, too, like. Um, I know there's been times where, like, we've been talking, and I will say, like, hey, I'm feeling, like, a little, um, like, stressed out by this. Can I just, like, take a break or something? Or if I feel like I'm being too overly relied on, we'll bring it up. And then I know, too, he brings up things, too, about, like, um, I'll always tell him, like, please let me know if I'm, like, stepping in too much or being overbearing or something. Yeah, and then I think something, too, that's really important is, like, setting healthy boundaries of, like, these are things that I just cannot handle. Or, like, I totally am open to listen to you, but, um, like, I really... I, like, if it, if there's, like, a super big issue, it's, like, I think maybe it would be helpful. Like, 
if you had some extra support that's not just me because I don't feel like I am like qualified enough to deal with this issue like I don't know what to do or you know things exactly. like that depending on yeah depending on the situation too. yeah yeah I think that's that's really hard and being as young as you are it's hard to like try to practice that I know that like a lot of people and just adults you just see it and you're like that's not probably healthy how people handle things but like being young and trying to practice like those things you're talking about is just hard and you know kudos to you because oh god it's so easy just to be like oh my god like I'll do everything for you and then it just it, it becomes everything that like you didn't want yeah and then you resent them and then you're mad at them and then they don't know why you're mad <laughs> it's I'm just like, a bro, big like train wreck it's just it's so easy to see like and like once you're out of it I think that there was like a wall. I don't know about you, but at least when I was like really in it, I never saw it like as an oh, issue. Yeah. It was always like just who I was. Yeah. And I think too, oh, by the way, on your note before, I am literally 18 saying all of this. So yeah. I do not have a lot of life experience. Exactly. I'm still learning about all of this, but um, so not an expert. But um, yeah, I think too, like for me, I think I like realized it before like in a previous relationship where things were like very codependent I definitely realized it beforehand um but I just like didn't know how to you know mm, yeah I didn't want to like pull a rug out from under them exactly because I felt like they were relying on me so much so then what in that situation what do you do because like you actually were cognizant of it so like what do you do when you have that fear of like, oh, like what are they going to do without me? Like they have all these like family things or their own personal issues that yeah. like I've been taking on for them, and you just don't want to leave them, you know, like needing something. Like, like, like yeah, like you don't want to because you're like the nice person, and then they're they're gonna hate me, and I don't want that because like I yeah. still love them or whatever. Like how do you do that? Like like what's that next step? I don't know personally. A lot of my experiences with um, like a partner having challenges with mental health which is, like, totally valid and stuff. But I think just encouraging them to get help from, like, a professional that knows how to deal with that, you know? And I think that can happen, actually, in a lot of relationships, like even friendships with people, um, just with any struggles. I think, like, just kind of taking a step back and being like, I, like, actually do not have the credentials to help this person with this. And then it becomes actually, like, the more, the more caring decision yeah. to let them figure things out with themselves and a professional because I think making that realization that you're actually not helping them makes it like kind of flips the switch into you like leaving them hanging into you actually doing you know something that will benefit them and then also thinking about the fact that you want to be this caring person for everyone and then kind of reflecting that back onto yourself too you're like what do I need Oh, yeah. You know? That is true. why am I not worried about what I need as well? You know, like, you're someone in your life, too. You're, like, the most important person in your life, basically. Why do we do that? Why do we, like, reflect our needs on others and, like, give them everything and then leave nothing for us? Like, naturally, why do we do that? That's a really good question. In my opinion, I I think that... um, we all have, like, an innate need for love and belonging, you know? And we all need to feel like we have people that care for us. And I think a lot of it starts, like, I think a lot of it does start when you're little, just, like, how you learn growing up 
what's going to get me approval and what's going to get me love from my parents or from my teachers or from my siblings, you know, anyone. Like all of just those formative experiences and formative years of your childhood and growing up. Like I think people fit into the roles that work for them, even if um, they're not what's best for them. I think growing up, like being like a good kid and like a nice kid and like a smart kid, that's like where I got all my validation. People would be like, oh, your child's so sweet or like, oh, like she's so smart. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, people like me because of those things. If I'm not those things, if I'm not nice to everyone, then people aren't going to like me. And that's just not a possibility. So I think also learning to be okay with people not liking you is like a crucial step too. I think that tie back to childhood is really big. And I think with a lot of our own issues that we see, and yeah, as as 18 year old, like 18, 19 year olds, like this is a time of like major development. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're all just going through it. We're all trying to like figure things out and like where we are. Cause we had our high school life, you know, we had our childhood and then we we're like kind of starting our new life, like on our own and we're going to school and we don't really know where we belong or and everyone doesn't know what the fuck is going on. I know. On. And I think that like just tying some of the things we are worrying about now as like young adults kind of helps. Like I can see like, Oh, I had this one experience when I was like eight years old and that, that kind of like pattern I feel like shows in my behaviors today um and like reflecting on that and seeing what you said about like just being a good kid I definitely like I see that because my sister she was that kid like really smart and everyone would just like everyone loved her all her teachers all Mm -hmm. her neighbors everyone and so I'm like oh well she gets all the love so I'm gonna try to do the same so I just tried to do well in school too and it kind of worked I don't know like it's kind of done well for me but it's also like I had like now I have like a pattern and like a conditioned pattern of being oh I'm gonna be happy when I get good grades and when people like me Mm -hmm. and sometimes in college you're gonna get bad grades because college is hard and sometimes (laughs) people won't like you because people are people not everyone likes you yeah so it's like breaking that like chain of like this false sense of security by having good grades and people like you or just breaks once you kind of you know grow a little bit older and you start seeing more of the real world and yeah I just think your take on that was really good and I think especially as a girl too and obviously I can't speak to this but I think being quiet and not being outspoken is definitely rewarded so for, sure. for being nice like I've talked to my sister about it or my mom where it's just it's just a different dynamic where guys can you know speak about their own stuff and kind of like do anything and then girls have to stay more reserved and be there and they won't always get the floor yeah so I think it's a different pattern especially for you that is so true yeah wow that's very true I think yeah just girls in general like you're 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 right you're like better or like you're Mm. you know you're a better girl if you're um if you're quiet if you don't have like different opinions if you don't like disagree with people you know it's like all about being agreeable and I think too as a side note (laughs) um people always think like women are more like submissive or like just like that in general but I think this is literally evidence that like it's just because girls and boys growing up we reward kids for different things yeah so I think that that definitely, yeah, that definitely plays a role, too. Exactly. Yeah. And I definitely see patterns in, like, my family as well, just how certain people are rewarded and treated. So mm-hmm. you just see it in your own, like, life, like, your close life. And then when you go to work or if you're at school and it's just certain opportunities given to you or not given to you. So it's hard to break that chain of being like, you know what? Not everyone likes me. I need to do this for myself. I don't care if people don't like me for speaking, like, my truth and being mm-hmm. me because... 
I'm just going to be resentful my whole life and be stuck where I am because I'm just trying to please others. And yeah. so I think it's real. It's realizing like what meaningful connections and experiences you will make and get to experience like as you live your life more, like just being more of you. Yeah, I think so too. And back to like the childhood stuff, I think too, I've been thinking about, um, like inner child stuff a lot. I don't know if I like actually believe in all of that or if anyone does, but, um, I think it definitely does have some element of like helping you get out of that pattern. Um, cause I don't know, it's, it's nice sometimes too, especially if I know I definitely like am not the kindest to myself sometimes. So it's nice to think about in my head, like, oh, okay, little me, like little Kristen was just like in the world, didn't know what she was doing and just wanted like her parents to love her. And so she like figured out, okay, I'll just be quiet and make everyone happy. And like, that'll work for me. That's how I don't get in trouble. And then obviously like, I guess we're both kids of divorce too. And my parents got divorced when I was in like preschool So that's, like, a really big age. You're, like, very egocentric at this age. So for me, like, I didn't think that my parents got divorced because of me, but I thought that if I was, like, a really good kid that they might get back together or something like that. Yeah, that's a really interesting thing. Yeah, so it kind of flipped. It wasn't – it was the same thought but in, like, a different way. So I think just thinking back to, like, okay, I didn't understand anything at that age and, like, that's okay, and it led me to develop these patterns – and then giving myself, like, the love and care that I needed and maybe didn't get myself. And kind of, like, showing myself, like, I don't need to be perfect or super nice or super agreeable. I mean, I still want to be kind to others. But yeah. um, I don't need to be all these things to, like, be loved, you know. And I think it's really hard to, like, say that and believe it. I think I say that a lot. And, like, I'm yeah, getting to places where I'm like, oh, like love myself or whatever I don't know and it's like and it's the right thing and it's the right idea but it's how do you take this and be practical and like actually try to apply it to behaviors totally like how do you do that I think I think like self-love or like because there's kind of been that whole trend of self-love yeah like like what does that even mean exactly I feel like it's kind of toxic because there are times where like I do things that I are I think are wrong and I'm like why did I do that and you know But I think that self-love really, to me, means self-compassion because I think, like, what self-love actualizes into is, like, okay, I do something wrong. I'm not going to say it's fine and that I love myself. Yeah, Um, that's that's, that's the thing. It's, like, you can just, like, totally screw someone over and be like, it's fine. I actually, like, love myself. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. But it's, like, no, there are consequences for doing shit. Yeah, there's consequences. And it's... (laughs) going it's just treating yourself with kindness because it's looking at yourself and understanding too like where you come from why you're doing the thing why you do the things you do and taking the time to like yeah taking the time to understand yourself and be kind to yourself like you do something wrong and taking the time to be like okay I messed up I'm looking out for myself what do I need to do to exactly. repair this situation? That is so What's hard. What's going to be best for me? That is so yeah. hard. As uh-huh. I, I messed up this past summer. I like one of my friends. I said something to, to like one of my friends, and she was mm-hmm. she didn't talk to me for like two weeks, and it really yeah. hurt. It really yeah. hurt, and like I didn't mean it because I was drinking, and uh-huh. I and I, for, I I didn't even know I said it, and yeah. I found out later, and I was like really hurt, and I was already in kind of a bad place, but I like I was like oh my gosh, like this isn't me, like yeah. but. 
I was like, okay, at the same time, like, I know I messed up. And we eventually did, like, reconnect, and I, and I apologized to her. But I wanted to apologize to her right away. But yeah. she, like, kept her space, which is respect. Like, I, I understand that. And mm-hmm. I, I had to be like, okay, this is her doing what's best for her. Yeah. She was hurt by it. And she needs her space. And I can't do anything about it. Yeah. And, you know, I messed up. And mm-hmm. I will apologize. And I'm not going to beat myself up over it because I will show myself some compassion because I'm not yeah. perfect. But I know I messed up. And I just want to be better. Definitely. And it was really hard for me to be, like, like, like not, like, kissing her ass and be, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, like, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And, like, then be fine. Like, it was, like, no, she actually, like, took her time away, which I give respect for her yeah. because she had a boundary. Totally. And I was, like, yeah, I, I messed up and I'm sorry. And I just, like, really, like, I need to be better. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's being, it's, like, honest. Being honest with yourself, too. Yeah, everyone's, everyone's trying their best. But, like, yeah. if someone messes up, they mess up. I don't know, like... It's like shit happens. Like, yeah. Oh my just, god! Yeah, everyone does shitty things I, their whole life. Yeah, seriously. And <laughs> it's just how it happens. It's hard to show compassion for yourself. Definitely. Yeah, and then also back to what you're saying about your situation with your friend is, I think too. Like we're talking about like drawing like boundaries for ourselves, but I think we also need to be prepared for when people also maintain their own boundaries that may not be what we want exactly you know? that's what I had to like feel yeah. I'm like it wasn't a boundary I was like that I wanted but it yeah. was her boundary on me and I think it's easy to set all these boundaries on your friends mm-hmm. but when someone sets a boundary on you you have to be like you okay I respect like, that yeah, totally. I can't do shit about it yeah and actually like give them credit be like hey like totally. that's like sick you did that yeah it's like you're actually showing up for yourself in some way I agree it's really hard to do yeah and I think too I honestly think by setting your own boundaries, you also practice respecting other people's boundaries in a way. Because I think when you are constantly like ignoring your own limits and you're just like, okay, I um, really don't have time to do this this week, but I will because I feel obligated to see this person or something. If you constantly are like, well, I ignore my own needs to see you. Why aren't you ignoring your needs to see me? But if you understand that you have to draw lines about what you can and can't do if you understand that for yourself it's way easier to understand for others when they have to do that because you're like oh i get it like i'm in that situation all the time yeah i think it all yeah it all goes back to just those patterns of codependency yeah. and just understanding what it is in the first place um which we can go over to the definition again it is putting all of your needs onto someone else and almost like like manipulating them for those needs and fixing things that you get self-worth and value from it. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and a cycle of just you needing to fix someone and then prolonging someone else's growth because of your own like selfish pursuits. Yeah. Um, and it's really, it's a really easy habit that it's hard to see in a lot of relationships in your family and people you're dating. And it's just good to try to learn more about it because we're all trying to learn more and we're all trying to Um, you know just like be better and keep growing so it's good to practice setting boundaries which are very key and being like hey this is one of your issues you need to probably see professional help this isn't my job but it's easy to be like hey of course I'll, I'll give you all the answers so it's like again that's a boundary that you're talking about it's like having the strength to set those boundaries and then also take them so if someone sets a boundary on you you are like okay that's like a sign of them showing up themselves and you should like celebrate that and not get resentful that someone is not letting you walk all over them. Yeah. Um, and I actually want to segue lastly into a quote <laughs> from the Terry Cole podcast. So oh, Terry what? Cole is actually got 
her master's in clinical psychotherapy at NYU. So if you, so a lot of times, if like there are certain quotes or certain things that we say, like a lot of it is based on studies and psychology and there are definitely things going on in the background that are supporting these with science. It's not all just theories and ideas. That's why I try to like put a little practical turn on it too, because we're also trying to apply it to our lives because we're real people. We're like trying to get through our days. Like we're not like fucking robots that are like, okay, great idea, great idea. Like <laughs> no, like let's let's try to like actually apply this. So her quote is love and codependency can feel a lot of like they're not. That so is true. when you're in a romantic relationship, that, at least for me, that hits me so hard. Mm-hmm. It's like, maybe what I thought it was, wasn't. And it kind of is like, what? Like, it really, like, it makes you think differently. And I, I don't know about you, but, like, what does that quote mean for you? And I can say it again if you want to hear it one more time, but... It's like love and codependency feel the same, but they're not. Yeah. Um, I think, to me, it means... I don't know. The way I like to think about relationships, like, in my head, I'm, like, a very visual thinker, but I think of, like, two people as their own little, like, orbs or something, and you're your own separate people, and then you have this thing, which is your relationship, which is a third thing. So, I think it's not letting that, um, I think it's not letting that kind of become each other, become a part of each other. It's just its own separate thing that you build and nourish together, but it's not your identity and it's not you. And I think that keeping that separation in any relationship and making the goal kind of just, I don't know, to be there for the other person and support them instead of trying to, yeah, do things for them. It's probably how I would think about it. But yeah, I think codependency and love can feel very similar. And I think, I think, Two, we often equate love with feeling like you're needed, feeling like you need someone, which is not a good... And that's even in, like, songs and stuff. Oh it's my like, God. I need you, and that's just not... That is, the, that is the biggest thing, and I totally forgot. I was thinking about this last night, and uh-huh. I totally forgot to say that. I'm so happy you brought that up, because when I when I would hear someone say, oh, I need you, that totally was like, oh my like God, red flag. yes. No, but for me... <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> exactly. See, you said red flag. I'm like, holy shit. I'm that a red flag. So you're good. over here like, yeah. Dude, that, that would yeah, feel man. like, like fucking... Man. I don't know. It, yeah, just, it would be so addictive. Yeah. That, like, oh, she needs me. And yes, like I need that. Mm-hmm. And then me like thinking I needed her because she needed me. Yep. And it's like, and then anytime I hear a song like need or I hear someone say I need you, I just cringe now. It because, ruins the song. No, I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? Like you don't need anyone. Or like, oh, uh, like I just, now when I hear it, because I've done the work, I'm like picking apart my, my whole life <laughs> of being this codependent person. And I've tried to look at it differently. Now I see need and I'm like, oh God, like. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I really, like, got off on that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so unhealthy. It is. No, it totally is. And it's everywhere. It's literally everywhere. And I think, too, like, just growing up, I don't know, everyone grows up listening to songs or reading things that say that. So I think we were talking about this the other day. Like, no one has, a like, a class on how to have a healthy relationship yes. or healthy communication. And, like, the only thing you can rely on are the messages you get from society, like songs like that, where it's like, I need you. And you're like, yeah, that's what love is. Or like what's modeled from, for you from your parents. Exactly. Which sometimes isn't great either. So, Probably not. I, <laughs> I would, I would like assume the, the majority of people 
the relationship of their parents probably was not the greatest model for what they would want. Which is disheartening, but we don't need to go into that. It's okay. It is, it is disheartening. That's, that's a good word for that. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Kristen, for being on. It was oh, a yeah. great time having you here, and I'm just happy you finally got on. Um, I know this is like a big topic that we both just dealt with a lot and mm-hmm. we're both working on and I like hearing your own experience with it and I like sharing mine as well so that people that are listening can maybe take some of the things that we shared and just, you know, like maybe apply it, maybe not, but I would just love to see it because I think we did say a lot of, a lot of real, just honest things about how we've suffered from this pattern of codependency. For sure. Yeah. Thank you, John. This was a super fun and interesting an insightful conversation and yeah I I think it's a pretty common experience and I think just um going through your first relationships or you know relationships with people in general even if it's friendship I think like everyone kind of encounters this at some point because we all like want to fit into our different roles so I think that yeah I think that this will definitely be kind of a shared experience among a lot of people What an awesome conversation. Thank you again, Kristen. Woo-hoo!